Bangly bang. Hello Pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to the latest in our series of spoilers special podcasts. This one is dedicated to the eighth film in the Rocky franchise and the second film in the Creed franchise. Yes, it's Creed 2. Over the next 45 minutes or so, I will be discussing the film with my two colleagues. They're bringing some punching power to this podcast. We have our editor-in-chief struggling with her headphones at the moment, <laughs> Terry White. Hi, Chris. Massive Rocky fan. Huge. Mm-hmm. Ginormous. <laughs> is ginormous an actual word? Yes, yes it is. Okay. Editor of Empire there, everybody. And <laughs> uh, next we're also joined by James Dyer. He's, he's a tall guy, he's got a lot of reach, but not a lot of power behind his punching. He must break you. Is that it? Yeah. Is that it? <laughs> That's it. Okay, I thought you were going to do a lot more than that. All no, right, no. okay. But Welcome we get... to the next hour of this yeah. podcast. <laughs> just James me just doing... throwing out random, badly enunciated Russian epithets. Thank God Ivan Drago says, bugger all in Rocky Four because... <laughs> I'm out of quotes, That's I'm pre- done. Yeah. That's it. If he dies... He dies. I'll give you that one for free. You can yeah. have that one then. That's, I think that's it. That's all the dialogue that's he says. Anyway, uh, we are going to talk about Creed 2, and as this is a spoiler special, no prizes for guessing that we are going to be delving into it deeply. Third act, revelations and all. So if you haven't seen Creed 2, then highly to your nearest multiplex, see the film, and then come back. Are they gone? They're gone. Right, the rest of us can carry on. But before you hear us talking about the film, I sat down with the film's director, Stephen Capel Jr., when he came into London last week and asked him all sorts of spoilerific questions. So here you go. Please do enjoy roughly 22 minutes of Stephen Capel Jr. Delighted to be joined on this very special Creed 2 spoiler podcast by the director of the film, Stephen Capel Jr. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm hanging in yeah. there, man. I'm not going to lie. A little <laughs> underweather, but I'm okay. You must so, be buoyed by the box office response and the, and the general response to this film, right? You know what? I, I am. Uh, but we've been working so hard that I haven't had time to take anything in. So, yeah, I heard we broke a few it, records. It did, well. it did well. Yeah, I heard yeah. we broke a few records yesterday. <laughs> but during that time, we were out in um, we we're out in Africa, man. We were helped building a field and stuff like that. Oh, for, my God. Yeah, for kids. And so, like, being in that kind of environment while that is going on is great because you're not focused on yeah. anything. You're just there in a moment with the kids, and it feels like this is important. Um, and no one was there really talking about the movie. We we're talking about school systems and stuff yeah. like that. So, when we looked up, of course, it's like a bonus when you look up and say, hey, uh, while you were doing that, guess what? You know, you broke a few records in the film and congrats. And that was crazy. That's we celebrated amazing. last night, actually, here in London. So we were, we were oh. last night at a dinner at some restaurant. I can't remember the name of it. OK, well, yeah, congratulations on, on that and Thank on the you. film itself. And uh, this is a spoiler special, so we can get into it right from the off. Scary. And, OK. Uh, I like to start these things with the big question, the one that is on everyone's lips. And that is, quite simply, did Rocky ever get the council to fix that light? <laughs> so uh, there is a deleted scene, man. There is a deleted <laughs> right, scene. Okay. No, the light <laughs> did end up getting fixed. Um, we may save that, right? Rocky may come back in another Rocky. Uh, but no, all in all, in the film it doesn't. But we we definitely, we had a scene where it does get fixed, man. Um, it was right before he goes, well, I guess we could spoil it, before he goes off to yeah, the of end. Yeah. Where he goes off yeah. at the end and everything ties together in a beautiful bow. Yeah. Uh, before While he's leaving the house, the light would come on. And that's what we had. Oh, so, man. Maybe even delete the scenes. We'll see. Should just take a leaf out of Marvel's book and do a post-credit sting. And I just, know, you know, just do everyone... But we have a lot of post-credit. There's so many post-credit scenes. Um, uh, there's one scene in particular uh, that we took out uh, where Creed and Victor Drago are in the locker room after the fight. Really? Yeah. That okay. was a hard decision to make. Okay. Hard decision to make. What happened in that scene? Uh, they Because, they, you know, they never talked at the end of the fight. And so yeah. he walks over to him. 
and you know he pretty much sits next to him and says you're more than this one fight victor drago's like down out tears dad is in the back you can't really see him Dolph is drago ivan Mm. and they have this intimate moment where it's just them two finally face to face with no one else no cameras no nothing and you know they just have a moment that they share being like look we we're released of our father's past man like it's it's more to this fight you know we're more than this fight um and it's just a moment it's so it's just a moment legit I can see why you cut it at the same time mm-hmm. because it didn't maybe interrupts the momentum of the end. Completely. But that, that would have been lovely. Because people thought the film ends right at the end of the fight and yeah. the people then would think the film end at that moment and then they would think <laughs> it's like, what is going on? It's like it's three a, endings. Is this a Lord happening? of the Rings movie? What's, exactly. What's and I didn't want to do that to the fans, um, to the people watching the movie, you know. Uh, and then it, it was something cool about, sorry to get off topic, but it was something no, no, no. cool about them having their stories on their own and yeah. never kind of having that connection and you kind of want it a bit. So obviously it leaves his hand to if there's a Creed 3 or whatever it may be, but it felt like there's like even in the corner moments, Creed knew what was happening in his corner, but he didn't know what was happening in Drago's corner. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So while the fight is happening, it just felt nice that we as viewers were experiencing this and we were moments where we were like, don't Creed, stop, don't even go any further with the fight because of what you saw in the other yeah. corner where he didn't, you know? Yeah. So, stuff w- like that. It was interesting because the film effectively begins with, with Drago and with, yeah. with, with the Dragos and, and you know, there are scenes where it's just the two of them on their own. We get a, a little glimpse inside mm-hmm. their relationship and the, the, the temptation must have been in, to go into this to almost have both of them be that sort of unknowable monster in mm-hmm. a way. Oh, and completely. It's man. really interesting that you humanize them both. Yeah, and then one or two from the jump, you know, think, I thank the studio, MGM, for allowing me to humanize them. Um, I mean, there was talks of whether or not we should be opening a movie on a Creed film on the Dragos. Because <laughs> uh, I don't think that any of the films have been opened up on the villain or yeah. the opponent in any of the Rocky franchises. Yeah. But that was my point. You know, it's like we have to do something different. And I feel like everyone's going to be like, when are we going to see Drago? He's going to come up midway through the movie. I was like, what if we just hit him with it right there at the top of it, like in a very like gritty, we show Ukraine, we show where he's at, boom, there he is. Um, and not play up into some of the hype, you know what I mean? Just show the relationship, day in the life of, you know. I also love the way you introduced uh, Rocky in this film as well. Yeah, which is just... no, I, I, man, I do too. I ain't gonna yeah. lie. That's one of my favorite parts. <laughs> uh, no, it's very ghostly. It's a theme, yeah. you know, I felt like in this version, I was like, what? What in this has to, I had to find ways to separate myself from Creed 1 and the rest of the franchise. And it was moments like that that I felt like, one, if you're a fan, it's going to feel iconic the way he walks through the, walks in from the back door. But at the same time, just his voices alone, like everyone imitates Sly and Rocky's voice. So I was like, what if we heard it first? But then also had like, you know, it's almost in his air, which is a line later when he's mm. like, it must be Rocky whispering in your ear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything is kind of ghostly throughout the film, you know, just because of the history and past of Apollo Creed and the Dragos. I wanted to bring back the past, but in this way that felt like it was lingering in every scene and everyone's mm. voice were like choices and this and that. you can feel it um, rather mm. than just show it. But it's really interesting choices that you make all the way through the film and you know this is very much Donnie's film. Yeah, this is yes, very much Donna, yep. I mean Rocky is off screen for a, a, a large part of it in part yeah. because of the schism that, that the, the two mm. of them have. Uh, their relationship breaks apart briefly. But there are also interesting choices you make. Uh, it's interesting that when Amara is born, mm-hmm. you don't show that happening. Instead, we are with Rocky when mm-hmm. that happens. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah, just to, uh, he goes to the phone and makes his call. Yeah. You know, I felt like that was a moment for us to check in. Uh, actually, crazy enough, it wasn't in a script. Uh-huh. Uh, it was something on the day of. 
uh, when we did it. I, I one I didn't want to show a birth scene. I was like, oh, I don't really want to show a birth scene. I don't want to <laughs> show. Tessa was like, I don't want to do it. Mike was like, I'm not trying to see that. Like, it was, no one really wanted to do it. So it was like, what else can we do? And um, uh, before we had him calling Robert um, uh, at the gym at one point, way early in the film, and so we shot it. And it was there, so we had it, but it didn't feel right. And then, so it wasn't until the day of, we kind of winged it. We found a phone at the hospital, and we was like, let's shoot it. And then uh, we shot that first, and it just felt like a moment to, sorry, that to go off, but we, we wanted uh-huh. to be with Rocky in a moment where he yeah. was having his first kid. He was thinking about his child, yeah. if that makes sense. Oh, it's absolutely. a story. Yeah. And then what I needed was a plant. And so there's a scene with him and Rocky where he says, why don't you just call him? That can We shot that later and was like, hey, let's just throw that line in there <laughs> so that way it pays off. Um, even though it's not like a, the strongest line, but it kind of works. It just works, you know. Uh, yeah. So those moments just happened on set. Um, but yes, yeah, just so that parallel story of here goes birth to a child. Someone was about to become a father. And mm-hmm. someone who showed the mistakes as a father. Yeah. I felt worked really well. And that's uh, that's one of the things about this movie that broke me, <laughs> if I'm mm-hmm. completely honest. Yeah. Uh, the, and let's jump right to the end because I, I mm-hmm. want to talk about the way you juxtapose the three different father-son relationships that mm-hmm. are in this film right at the very end, that sort of montage. You have the really heartbreaking uh, Donnie talking to his father's gravesite. For the first time. For the first time, which yeah. echoes the Rocky Adrian Rocky, scene from early in the film. First time at the grave. Um, yeah. Um, not to cut you off because no, I'm no, just excited please. about it too because we were trying to figure out where to have this convo and uh, and we were like man you know uh, it was Mike's idea actually Mike B's because he was like I don't know where I ever um, spoke to my dad I never saw him you know what I mean mm. so it was like you can go to the graveyard it's like a Rocky-esque thing to do and uh, he's like, has I have I ever been there before? And it's like, good question. Like, I feel like that'll draw some emotion because at first we're like, should he just be talking to his daughter? You know what I mean? But then we're like, you know, he never talked to his father before, and people are expecting some sort of like Apollo like cameo somehow out of this. And so that was our like cameo of Apollo Creed. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, it was like it felt so much emotion, even on the day. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, this is your first time at his graveyard, and it, and it felt something. And we even had a line there. We took it out though. It was like, I don't know what to say. It's like, uh. I feel like I feel like kind of rocky in this situation, but we took it out. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Dev, I think people caught it. Um, but okay. yeah, sorry, we had rocky situation and we had well, yeah, well, Drago's. Yeah, you have Drago situation as well. I mean, we get that brief glimpse of them running together, which because mm-hmm. I think the relationship between did uh, you like that? I did. Okay, because mm-hmm. I think the relationship between Ivan and Victor in this film is fascinating because mm-hmm. it's semi-abusive from Ivan's point of view Completely. towards Victor and you can see Victor at times he looks a bit like a frightened rabbit a little bit you can see how much he resents his dad but at the same time he loves him but you humanize I think Ivan so well at the end of the fight you get this idea that oh this is why he's doing it he's doing it to maybe win back the affections of his ex-wife he's doing it obviously to get back the affections of the Russian government but mm-hmm. also he's doing it to feel like a man that he hasn't really felt like for the last yeah. 30 years all of which he's doing through his son and I think towards the end of the fight he realizes that he's wrong mm-hmm. and he's doing it for all the wrong reasons completely um, yeah. which is why I think the decision to have him throw in the towel this, yeah, the thing yeah. that Rocky should have done for Apollo, for Apollo all those years ago resonates so well which is also something that's been said in every movie and never been done <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you're a fan if you go back and watch every film yeah. every fight is about Am I going to throw it? Even Creed 1, there's a moment where I was shut. I'm going to call it. It's like, no one ever calls it. Like, let's just stop <laughs> saying it. You know what I mean? I was, it was to the point where I was like, we keep saying it in every movie. No one's doing it. And it's like, you know what? I remember when it came to me, I was in the car with my wife. Um, we had just eaten lunch. 
uh, had just taken a project and I just hired my writer and I did not, we, this was not in the ending. Slides draft didn't have the throw in the towel moment. Okay. And I was like, it doesn't feel right because he knocks him out in, in, in Slides draft. Okay. Version. And I was yeah. like, it doesn't feel complete. Like, we were trying to build the art and I was like, if he learns that what he's doing to his son is, is dangerous and put him yeah. in a situation, his son would probably die yeah. before throwing in the towel himself, before falling again. Because uh, that's how he, that's how he's built from Ivan Drago so if you show that he cares he would throw him which is the last thing Ivan would ever do yeah of course you know sorry this is a huge spoiler so it feels so weird to talk but about people it people don't listen to this if they haven't um, seen the film trust me, trust me. <laughs> and so when jumping into it I remember when I had that like epiphany I was so excited I called up the writer I'm calling up Sly I'm calling up everybody I'm like I'm calling the studio I'm like he's about to throw in the towel um and it was just so exciting to, to play it that way because it said so much. Like what you said, no one's ever done it. And it was the last thing you expect. And he should have did it with, you know, yeah. don't worry about throwing the towel this time. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, uh, and then Ivan does it. But um, to your point, he's just a sad and beaten pit bull, man. That's always a look mm-hmm. at uh, Florian, uh, Victor Drago. Yeah. You know, if you watch every scene, he's behind his dad. Never in front, always trailing yeah, behind. Yeah. And so it was like on purpose until the mm-hmm. end where they come out in Russia and he's leading the way and this time his mm. dad is behind him mm. you know so I just wanted to play with that um, but you're right you know it's just like you know pit bulls can be nice they can't be protective but if mm. you train them to do the wrong thing then they'll definitely yeah. be a fighter yeah I felt really sorry for Victor all the way through the film mm-hmm. to be honest and I also thought it was interesting how much of a dick uh, Drago was through yeah. the film because mm-hmm. um, I thought I thought he might have his personality tempered a little bit but yeah. Uh, from the beginning but yeah. he wasn't he was very much he's very much the antagonist in this yeah, movie yeah no completely and he's seen a little bit of his pain when he sits down with Rocky mm. you know what I mean but it's hard to fully connect with them though but you see a little bit of that you see why been kicked out of his country lost his wife etc and then as the story goes along you see why wow, he's desperate you know it's not even a revenge story as much as he's really trying to like regain any sort of respect you know to mm. his name or who you know his son's name at that too the scene between Rocky and Drago happens yeah. really early in the film mm-hmm. and is obviously they, they get in the ring together towards yeah, the yeah. end but uh, I, there's no major second major scene between the two of them mm-hmm. was there one at any point can you talk about yeah the it was, it, that it was in the, the same scene with uh, Creed okay Creed or the, the scene I told you about where Creed and uh Victor. Victor have a yeah. moment in the locker room as they're walking out. Dolphin and Rocky had their other moment, and it was subtle, just head nods and understanding and being like, "Yeah, you know, you're there for your son now." And then he goes over and he unwraps his son's glove. He cuts it open, just like how he because in the opening we're seeing where you see them, he's wrapping his son's glove up, his hands. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it's like a motif. So the callback later on was yeah. now he's cutting his son's glove, releasing him from the wraps, uh-huh. and. Sly walks by Rocky walks by and notices it and they share a contact and Dolph was like you know I hear you you were sort of right because this is, was all dangerous he looks away to his son and then Rocky's like yeah and then we played the classic Rocky song as he walks away and went to the <laughs> graveyard but to your point it felt like after he said this is your time kid at the yep. end of the fight it felt like that was and I had the shot that I had behind him with the oh, silhouette yeah. that the studio loved <laughs> Yeah, they saw the shot and was like dude it's like you could almost end the movie on this shot and I was like oh sh- definitely can't do the locker room and the graveyard and so we have to have one another um, but yeah that's what had occurred so there was a moment yeah. I, I thought that was it I thought that was the la- that shot was the last time we were going to see Sly Stallone as, as Rocky yeah, I'll be yeah. honest if, if he had just faded away at that point and become a Jedi ghost yep, <laughs> that would have been it. okay it with me like, Rocky 
Jackie died in 2000. <laughs> people were like, what? Played like a documentary. <laughs> that shot, that beautiful shot. He just clutches his chest and falls out of frame. I and know, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> we had jokes about the ball just kind of rolling into frame. Like, dude, 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 dude. And like, wait a minute, what? What? <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. But you don't do that, thankfully, which means we, we get to see the reconciliation between uh, Rocky and Robert uh, mm-hmm. at the end, which... Uh, I thought that that's that's one of the things that broke me. I thought Sly mm-hmm. in that moment was sensational. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about about that? You're building towards it throughout the, f- the the film, but I thought maybe you're going down a phone call route. And the fact that mm-hmm. Rocky actually turns up and and does that and feels he has to put these these wrongs to right, I thought was yeah, really yeah, interesting. Yeah. No, it's huge, man. I, I think subconsciously, man, I, I was tapping into my own personal stuff of my father when when writing and putting that scene together because um, it wasn't there in the original draft. Um, you know, it was like, I felt like it was nice for them to have a tie, but at the end of the film, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, to bow it up there. And so, uh, when I got to it, it's like this father who's just been making mistakes his whole life. You know what I mean? And and, and it's hard. And my dad is the same way. And so, um, I watched the film at the premiere in the States for the first time, and that's where I got teared up emotionally. I thought, oh, snap, I'm getting caught up in a movie, because um, I'm watching it with real people. But at the same time, I just realized what I did at that exact moment, you know, where he says, uh, do you want to come in? I'm getting emotional now think about it because he says do you want to come in mm-hmm. you know and then rocky puts his head down i'm like oh my god i just had this conversation with my dad like because oh, we really? spent years apart and then I, I i resented him in our relationship because of that but now that we're trying to rekindle i realize he didn't know how to approach me yeah he doesn't know how to fix it you yeah. know what i mean you're thinking dad it's simple you just come in my life and you just be around but it's hard because you you know you're you've messed up you know and so it's like hard to sit in that you know and so yeah. um was getting milo back tricky for, for uh, he he was busy um yeah. but luckily we only needed for one day uh <laughs> we had him there for one day flew in the night before got on set it was emotional that day though because they they have done This Is Us, I think, once. I think Sly did an appearance on This Is Us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- he, I think he may have played his father. Um, but beyond that, for him to come back and have this whole Balboa thing, you just saw them two reconnecting on a different level because they must have went to a a, a real place when they did, um, what's the movie? Uh, Balboa. Yeah. Uh, Rocky Balboa. Balboa. Yeah. Uh, because of everything with Sly and his son. And then, you know, it feels like he, he really took that place yeah. to play that role. And yeah. so you felt it on set. You yeah. Know, like, wow, I have to. 12 years, I guess, from Balboa. It came out 2006, I want to say. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then being on set and them shooting it, they, you can tell they both are like, I can't believe we're doing this again. Sly, yeah. of course, like this is my, you know, 40 plus years I've been doing this. This is oh, my eighth geez. time doing it. But even for him to come back for a sequence, I'm about to do this cameo and where I'm at in my career, Milo, to then, like he's like he's a, he, nobody knew him in Balboa. Yeah. Now it's like, this is Milo. This is this yeah. is us guy, you know, so yeah. he has all that love. Uh, there, there's a there's a, a a layer, and this is a very delicate subject, obviously. But there's a there's a layer of pain, I think, uh, when you see Rocky think about Robert, and it's very hard not to mm-hmm. disassociate Sly from thinking about his own his son, own son completely. as well, because obviously mm-hmm. Sage played all the Rocky, time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he was in Rocky Five. He's you know that's him in the, in, on the fridge in that in that picture. And that's what happened at the end of the scene where he cries. You know what I'm saying? Like Sly didn't mean to it at all. You know what I mean? It was. It just happened. Like, that's why it was one of those takes where it's like, that's all we have is that one take. We have other takes that we shot, but it's one take where you just felt it all the way through. And it's if you watch it again, there's continuity issues and a little jumpy here and there because uh, it was the golden take. Like, he was like, dude, oh, he apologized to me. He's like, I didn't mean to because it wasn't the direction. Mm. 
you know, I was hoping it would eventually get there. Obviously, as a director, what, what's going to happen? But when he opened the door, you just saw like this boom, boom. And these dudes are like hugging and tearing up. And then Milo got teary eyed. And I was like, oh, this just works, you know, um, because you knew there was a, another thing happening mm. on set between the two. That was personal. Yeah. No, it's it's a it's a really sweet moment. And mm-hmm. in, in fact, you can you just feel it almost, you know, the, you can feel the weight of history in almost everything Sly does and mm-hmm. says in this film completely you know so mm-hmm. he's sitting talking to Adrian's it's all about and the Paulie's ghost there. Yeah, it's oh my all God. about the ghost man they're on like his shoulder the entire exactly. time exactly to fill the whole history I want to talk about Bianca as well because mm-hmm. I think Tess is fantastic in this film and oh thank you I mean it must be so easy to fall into the pitfall uh, of you know she's just that person by the ringside yelling yeah. Donnie don't get hit Donnie punch did him. it feel that way to you uh, it feels that I've mm-hmm. seen that happen in other movies mm-hmm but it feels to me that you were trying to give her the music career mm-hmm. and, and and give her these conflicts you know, with, yeah. with her increasing deafness. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that? I guess uh, with, no, with completely. We did we did have a little bit more. We had a cut back down because it's an ensemble piece. There's so many characters yeah. in the sequel, and um, but her relationship with uh, Donnie was so important. So she had multiple things going on. It was like she has Donnie's situation with trying to fight this guy. She is now pregnant. She has a hearing loss, and she had. Her career. Yeah. And so it was like some things had to scale down. And at one point, it was a hearing loss and career that we actually tapped in deeper to. There is a Jimmy Kimmel scene that we deleted. Oh, really? Uh, she performed with Jimmy Kimmel had a hearing hiccup. Um, okay. Uh, which I think Kimmel brought it up last week when we were there. He's <laughs> like, so where's my scene at? Um, <laughs> but ultimately, it felt like it would just want to be more about the baby in the scenario to leave doors open uh, for... Um, uh, maybe whatever happens in Creed 3. Uh, but I, we did not want her to fall on the backside. We definitely want her to be a woman who was more than just Adrian saying, like, I'm going to wipe the sweat off his forehead when he's training and please don't fight. She was someone that spoke up. Mm-hmm. She was someone that made decisions and followed her own career. And she wanted to make a statement, which she, I think she did, you know, which is like, I'm not going to be the woman who's just making sandwiches and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, since 2018, women do much more than that, you know. And so I wanted to make sure that was alive, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it was important for her. And obviously it's important for me because I'm like, I don't want. I don't want to set us back or where women are, how women are portrayed on, on all this medium. So she had a major input in that, which I'm grateful for. Um, but yeah, and then she ultimately comes out with him in the last bit with the song that I want mm. to feel like a power couple. We've, uh, we've talked about Milo's cameo. Mm. Can we talk about Bridget Nielsen? Because yeah, that do it. blew yeah. my mind. Did it? Good. Well, good just good, given good, good. the very public history that she had with Sly. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they were in the in a place where she would turn up in Creed Two. Yeah, no, no. Uh, thank you, thanks for Sly for allowing it to happen. I had to ask him when I came up with the idea. I was like, dude, I think it. I think fans will go crazy. Yeah. She wasn't an original draft, and I felt like she needed. Uh, we needed a rosebud. We needed something for Drago to be like. This is what changed everything. Yeah, he lost Russia, but more importantly, what was symbolic of Russia? His loved one who ended up staying there. And I was like, if we brought her back, I think it would do something to that whole camp. That would add another layer to their story, and 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 affect it in a good way. And I think people go nuts. I was hoping that. And I asked him. I was like, "Dude, I remember the meeting. It was the first day we met Florian. Uh, Florian came by. He auditioned, and then uh, we all were sitting down. I was like, Sly, since we were all in Drago world at the moment, I got this idea, and I pitched it to him. And he was like." I know fans are going to like that. He was like, just, just do it. You should do it. You should do it. And I was like, cool. And I wrote it in there. And um, and she came by and she gave us our scenes, you know, and it was an emotional place for her because she was my first phone call with her. She was in tears. She was like, thank you so much. Like, I can't believe I'm coming back as his character and what you've done in the script. Um, like, I'm, I'm excited to jump into the role and 
you know, she was honored. And so it, and then a day on the set, you know, them coming out together, it was yeah. not together, but when we shot the Russia stuff, the fight yeah, scene, yeah. fans went crazy. Wow. They went crazy. Um, 2,000 people in a room standing up clapping, and they see all three of them in a the ring. They were just going ballistic. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do have to wrap this up, so I'm going to ask one okay. last question, which is okay. about, about Amara. Because um, in this movie, you do, and this is very much in the Rocky tradition, you do introduce the next generation. You do mm-hmm. uh, ground Donnie in that way. Also, I think it's interesting the way you take Donnie, you push him into a very dark place. Yeah, halfway through to. the film. Had to, yeah. Um, and Amara is one of the things that brings him out of that, that mm-hmm. hole. Um, that's interesting, and also the fact that she is uh, she has uh, no hearing; she's got hearing loss. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. So the dangers of it is you're about to have a baby in a film who has a hearing loss. So people are like, "Are you really going to do this?" You know, studio. And I'm like, I think we need it to be real. I think if it's too cookie cutter and everything's perfect at the end or in the beginning, what is he coming out of? What is his callback? What is li- what is this boxing match supposed to represent in life? You know, his comeback. And it was just that. Don't feel sorry for yourself. You know what I mean? Like you lost that match. Supposedly, don't don't go into slumps about it. And so it was the same thing with the, something had to be a representation that in the real world. Mm. And I just didn't want it to be the media and cameras flashing his eyes. Like nobody <laughs> cares about that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. It, it's something about personal. You know. Yeah. And I felt like the baby was the right thing. And um and the baby's not broken. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it depends on how you see it. Yeah, and that was like our biggest thing to make sure we were delicate with that. And, and so. No, I'm 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 glad the studio rocked with me on that one. You know what I mean? Because I felt like that was life to me. And at the end of the film, to see the baby with the hearing aids because they have to wear hearing aids even though they're deaf, like oh, that was important. Um, and so I'm just I'm grateful for the studio to, to take that risk. You know, because it's a studio film. Everything's supposed to be really happy and jolly at the end, <laughs> and, it, and it still is. People still feel that, but at the same time, they also still feel a level of realism. You know. Um, which I feel like is sort of my style. It's like what I bring to the table in all my projects. So I thank them for that. It's been an absolute pleasure. I could ask you another no, two dozen questions, but same. it's been a joy. Stephen no, Cable thank Jr. You, man. Thanks, man. Thank you Appreciate so much. Appreciate it. That was Stephen Cable Jr. And now it is time for us to tackle Creed 2. I have to say, this is a movie I absolutely adored. I loved it. It hit me right in the sweet spot. I had... Something, is that what we're calling it? Yes, that's what we're calling it. I had something in my eye for pretty much the entire movie. Uh, I loved Creed. I'm a big Rocky fan. I don't think I'm as big a Rocky franchise fan as you, Terry White, but we both loved the original Creed. But my understanding is that you're a little bit lukewarm in this movie. Explain I am. yourself. I'm gutted, first of all, because um, this is actually one of the films I was most excited about this year. I loved Creed. I loved Creed. And I have very strong feelings about the Rocky franchise and specifically about the ranking order of the quality of each film. And I really loved Creed and I was really excited for Creed 2. You know, you have concerns because Ryan Coogler wasn't coming back because of Helming Black Panther 2. Um, but I really was hoping that the kind of raw energy and new slant that got put on that entire universe in Creed that made it really grounded, made it really relevant, made it feel really modern, um, spoke in a different vernacular really while still retaining the spirit and flavour of Rocky. I was hoping that that would be there in two and I just don't feel like it was. Well, I think I think our reaction to Creed was so strong. I, I, I loved it. It was probably my either my film of the year or second favourite film of the year it came out so it came out two years ago I absolutely adored it and I think that's one of the reasons why we're doing a spoiler special for Creed 2 because it really meant something to us mm. uh, and it, it made this franchise it made Rocky as a character relevant again and it should have been nominated I think for more Oscars Stallone should have won Best Supporting Actor uh, if, in my opinion uh, he was robbed he's amazing we'll get on to Stallone and my intense feelings about this character in a few minutes 
I can see why you'd be trepidatious about Creed 2 because of Kugler's absence. I'll be honest, I was on set as well. I didn't really get a sense of the film when I was on set. It was a very, very brief set visit. Um, but I was slightly worried about that as well, which is why I, I didn't, it wasn't on my most anticipated list, which is why I think it was a pleasant surprise. Perhaps you need to go see it again, Terry White. Maybe you need to, you know, reevaluate your opinions and well, and it is just interesting. Be right. Well, here's the thing, right? Is <laughs> is I am a fan of the original Rocky, Rocky two, II, Rocky three, II, Rocky four. We don't talk about Rocky five. It's not a Rocky film. It's an abomination. It's it's not good, is it? It's the I mean only bad one, I would say. Um, and I was reading Stephen Gable Jr. saying he um, that was the first Rocky film he ever saw, mm-hmm. um, which with I, Tommy Gunn, which Tommy Gunn, and I'm like, and yet you still wanted to make a Rocky <laughs> film. Maybe he just wanted to make a good one. Um, there are echoes of two, three, um, and four all in this movie. Yeah. I am a massive fan of those classic, cheesy, some may say, Rocky moments. So, and and I'm kind of working through my own feelings on this because in many respects it paid homage and sat very firmly within the Rocky universe for me rather than the Creed universe. And actually for me, the moments of discord are where Creed and Rocky um, as films, not as characters, but where those films kind of, the tension when they bumped into each other was when those universes felt like they were colliding. And I felt like you could feel the kind of discord between Stallone and the kind of younger filmmakers, his version of what Rocky is versus their version of what Creed was. That Those fault lines that were produced by that, I felt were really evident in the film. James? I enjoyed it for not quite the same reasons that you did, and I didn't dislike it for the reasons that Terry did. I enjoyed it for the same reason that I enjoy the early Rocky films. Like, it felt to me like a slight regression. Like, Creed was the film that Rocky Balboa wasn't. Like, it was nuanced. You, it felt you very... talk, you pick your words carefully about Rocky Balboa <laughs> in this podcast, my friend. You should have been nominated for that as well. Uh, fair enough. Wrong, but fair enough. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it had. It had sort of, it felt very now, it felt irrelevant, it was very nuanced, there was lots of, lots of deep characterization in it, like their motivations were really tangible, it was touching, you know, it kind of reached you on a number of levels beyond the kind of visceral kind of escapist cheesiness, which the Rocky films have done uh, so well in the kind of like, yeah. you know, Grounded Rocky 3, Rocky 4 kind yeah. of era. Um, this one felt to me, and I said this in the regular podcast, like it feels less like Creed 2 and more like Rocky 4.5. Like it felt like a continuation of that, like an updating of the Rocky 4 story rather than a continuation of the Creed story in that it didn't for me have a great deal of nuance for it. I felt the characters were... You know, the characters had weight because they carried on from Creed, but if you didn't have Creed, there wasn't a lot of substance to them here. Uh, Tessa Thompson didn't really have an awful lot to do. Salone, again, was excellent. And I and I, I think Michael B. Jordan's very good as well, but I think neither of them had the material to work with that they did last time around. That said, I really, really enjoyed this film. I thought it was great. I had loads of fun with it. I really enjoyed uh, the relationship between Ivan and Victor. I thought that was great. I would have liked to have seen more of that, to be honest. Uh, and having uh, Bridget Nielsen in there was an incredible surprise. I loved that and that dinner sequence I thought was fantastic although again I think the bit where she walks out of the fight at the end was maybe laid on a little thick but uh, but yeah no I really I really enjoyed it I know that you are I, I will hear no bad things said about this film but uh, but it's good he's looking at his watch am I monologuing a little bit it, sorry <laughs> a little sorry. bit see I'm, I'm seeing if we can go to the 12th round and I'll win on points yeah no no absolutely I will think that's it for our spoiler special <laughs> I think you've covered all the major points pretty much there you didn't mention Milo Fentimedia though so we should probably mention him yeah, he's and now it. we've covered the entire movie we can leave <laughs> the end good I'm thanks efficient. for that wow that was interesting I was trying to get a punch in there but I just couldn't he, just, he had his guard up the entire time uh, that was fantastic uh, you're wrong 
about, okay, about pretty much everything you said. Uh, but uh, The referee's I, decision is final. That's a disqualification. <laughs> uh, I feel very... I don't think that Tonely Liz is a, a Rocky IV sequel at all. I think Tonely Liz is a Creed sequel. I think visually this is a Creed sequel. I think orally it is a Creed sequel as Betty. well. I'm loving the sound. Yeah, I'm loving the soundtrack. I'm listening to it. I think Ludwig Göransson is one of the uh, best young composers mm. around. His soundtrack for this movie is fantastic because the way he layers in his own fresh themes and his own little fresh take, mm. as well as he has artists like Jacob Banks on the soundtrack as well and ASAP Rocky. I wonder why they they got him on board. Uh, but he also knows when to layer in those Bill Conti themes. It's actually one of the things I didn't get around to asking Stephen Cable Jr. Like, when do you know? When is the time when you deploy going to fly now? You know, what's the maximum moment of punch the air triumph? And also, I think it's really interesting thing about how that, that cue in the last two films has become a Creed cue as much as it ever, ever was a, a Rocky cue. If you sat someone down and you showed them Rocky Four, which is a cartoon of a movie, I love it. I love it intensely, but it's a 90-minute montage. It just, it's just—it's nonsense. And then you showed them Creed 2. They wouldn't know that it was from the same franchise, apart from obviously the fact that the two of the major characters are the same. <laughs> but they wouldn't know it's the same thing. It's, the, the two movies are completely different in their approach. They're, two, they're completely different in their tone, and they're completely different in the emotional effect that I they're trying to achieve. everything... You just said it's wrong. Uh, no, Sorry, do you I, want to pitch in? No, I mean, as much as I'm enjoying you two just saying you're wrong to each other. Carry wanna, on, I'm going to watch. Well, we hear you telling us we're, we're wrong all the time. In the office, yeah, so. You're just taking your opportunity, aren't you? <laughs> Look, here's the thing. is, it's the, the problem is Creed did so much to move it on, right? So we're talking about the tone of it, the writing, as James said, the characterization, And actually what Creed 2 does is it moves it back more towards Rocky. I don't think it's like Rocky 4 for a lot the of the reasons. The tone of Rocky or Rocky the character? Both. And I actually think, I think some of the emotion in this is so heavy-handed, it made me mm. want to take off my skin and wear it inside <laughs> out. I mean, and I think both Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson are, as you say, James, they are worthy of so much more. And I feel like they were given really thin material. The proposal scene made me want to die, <laughs> which isn't just about how cold-hearted I am. The, the storyline with the child felt to me completely unnecessary. That man does not need any more motivation yeah. to kind of rebuild himself, dig out his own insecurities. What I found confusing is that Creed, he unpacked all of that stuff. He moved past the boy looking for his father's love, looking for revenge. And for me, they totally regressed him back to being the boy at the beginning of Creed, not the man he was at the end of Creed. And so for me, the storytelling went backwards. Characterization went backwards. The emotion was so heavy-handed and so kind of thin, actually, in parts. And I was like, how can it be both heavy-handed and thin? This is absurd. So, and that is why I think people feel like it it moves more towards Rocky Four than it does Creed, because Creed did something really exceptional and this film didn't. Yeah. You're wrong. And, <laughs> <laughs> and this is why. <laughs> I don't. I don't agree with her at all about Donnie in this movie. I think. I think he carries this movie. This is his movie, uh, perhaps more than Creed, where you're being introduced to this character, you're getting used to this character, but really you're watching Creed going, "When's Rocky in it? When's Rocky in it? When do we get the Rocky? When are the scenes with Rocky? Oh God, Rocky's got cancer! Don't die, Rocky!" That's essentially the arc of the first movie for me. Uh, this 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 movie, Rocky's off screen for a large part of it, and you know the the schism that splits him apart. I'm glad it wasn't a horrendous argument. It is a little bit engineered, mm. but I'm, I'm glad about that. It may be a little bit manufactured, but it allows Michael B. Jordan, who I think is fantastic in this film, to own this movie. And I think 
giving Donny the beating that he gets from Victor allows this character to explore some dark places. And again, this is something I didn't really get a chance to explore with, with Stephen Cable Jr. We had, had lots to talk about with, with him. But the darkness, the dark, dark areas that they push Donny to the point where he shuts down, he shuts Bianca out, he even begins to shut his own daughter out when she's born, even though she needs him. And it isn't until that really touchy moment when he goes to Little Duke's gym and... I thought it was really With the, When he takes his child to the yeah. gym because his his partner goes to the studio for one minute and leaves him with a baby. And, and he's, he's like, what, am I, there, what do? am I doing? It's making a noise. I'm a man. I don't know yeah. how to care for my own offspring. Therefore, I need to... T- I but mean, it's okay, I, Terry, because he got to have feelings. But I f- actually, what frustrates me is Bianca, who I thought was a brilliant character in Creed and really properly was rounded, had texture, was super interesting, had her own kind of agenda, um, was made... Basically, she was there to tell his story... She was essentially a bit of an empty vessel who was, was to allow him to both regress and then grow as a man and come into his own being. The moment when she walked him into the ring singing, <laughs> I found infuriating. She is essentially there as a storytelling prop for him. She has no, none of her own agency in this yeah. film. And I found that incredibly dif- difficult. I, and actually, I thought it was a disservice to Tessa Thompson and a disservice to the character. But I do get the feeling that with her recording career, they were going down a path where they were trying to give her something to do because it's Tessa Thompson and you have to give her something to do. I think, again, she's very, very uh, solid in the first half of this movie. I do think, I think the balancing between whose story it was, I thought was really, I did think was really interesting between is this Rocky story or is this Donnie's story? And I loved, I loved, actually loved the opening scene where um, Tessa Thompson had been in the dressing room with him and, and she leaves and Adonis is there and you hear um, Rocky's voice and he starts talking and he moves into shot and you see him first in the mirror. The camera pans and then it's the two of them jabbing and talking together in this really kind of amazing, compelling rhythm. And I really enjoyed the seesaw between them throughout the film and whose film was this? Is this the end of... Rocky or is this truly the beginning of Adonis mm-hmm. um, which I, I love that nuance and I love the way that explored masculinity and what it means to be a man and what it means to be strong and what it means to face rejection and defeat and to find your own path when you're coming in the shadow of either a father or or you're kind of walking away from your son all of that stuff I thought was handled absolutely amazingly mm-hmm. So you did like something yeah, I did. I it's didn't good. hate this. Could film. I just say that scene that you talk about, which is great, when Rocky comes in, confused the shit out of me because I thought it was the cleaner who was in the foreground, <laughs> so and I was really like, but he doesn't look anything like Stallone. Why is he speaking with his voice? And I was very confused until I saw that. Oh, look, he's just walked into the corner of the shop. You are right. I did also think he was <laughs> like, the cleaner. It's like this elderly man is polishing the mirror and then he's talking. And he sounds like Stallone. I love that. Someone wrote in, we'll get, we'll get to some uh, listener questions in a second, but someone wrote in saying that they did any of us think that Stallone uh, was a ghost in the movie because <laughs> the first time we hear him, we, we hear him, but we don't see him. And then they thought he was going to fade away at the end of the movie after he goes, you're no good. And then, you know, he sits down and that's a perfectly framed shot. <laughs> he just, his clothes just crumble to the floor yeah, like, yeah. Like, a, like a Jedi ghost. I see dead Apollo greets. <laughs> Uh, no one thought that, right? No one no. thought Rocky was a ghost. Okay. Stallone has said uh, on Instagram that he thinks that that's it, that he's hanging up the old hat, that, that he won't play Rocky again. How do we feel about that? And how do we feel about Rocky the character and, and, and where he goes in this movie? I feel it's a shame, actually. I, I loved his latter-day take on Rocky. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. Just the pathos in that character and the weight of history and kind of character and, and just the way he moves, the way he talks. Because it's, it's just... 
Stallone's whole posture, you know, like it's a million miles away from, you know, Expendables type Stallone. Like there's a vulnerability. You mean Stallone. And he's, he's larger than life. My yeah. God. And he feels, it's such a withdrawn sort of subtle performance. And I really enjoyed like little moments. Like I loved that scene in Adrian's where uh, Ivan's sitting at the table and kind of Rocky comes in. He's really tentative. He's clearly a little bit sort of skittish and nervous about it. And the fact that he doesn't sit opposite Ivan, he sits one table away, so there's distance between them. The framing of that shot is lovely because, mm. you know, he's a bit like, he, he's naturally wary of him. You know, he's not like bolshy. It's not like a testosterone thing that he's going to slap himself down in front of him. It was, it's very, very human. And you no, know, I think it's great. I think it'd be a real shame. I mean, I'd love to see more Creed movies, but I think Creed without Rocky in them would be diminished. Well, I I actually think the character came full circle. It made me think of Rocky in the original film. And that character, if you remember, was full of pain, full of um, hurt, full of rejection. Mm. All he wanted to be, you know, that famous speech is, is he just wants to be a contender. He just wants to be considered worthy. And the, all those feelings, as, as you say, of pathos, of pain, of of weight, of worrying, he's never going to be good enough. And it, it, and I could really feel that in both his relationship with Adonis, but also his son. Um, mm. I loved all of that. All of those echoes back to to really specific moments in the Rocky franchise. Think about the proposal where mm. she doesn't hear him initially and that, mm. you know, is the proposal in the zoo when... That broke me. And that, that moment, <laughs> that but those, those yeah. moments which actually showed the tenderness of Rocky originally, the way they were mirrored here to say something about Adonis mm. and, and, mm. To, and to really do service to the fans, right? Because you mm. spot those things and you feel warm and you feel like it is part of the it's an interconnected part of the rocky universe but i i loved where he ended up but i i wanted him to die <laughs> wow that was harsh so i really i was i genuinely think it would have been better for him to die no <laughs> i don't know i think it would have taken the weight away from donnie in some way mm. um but yeah, I can see where you were going with that, but also I don't think they could have done that really, having gone down that route with with Creed, uh, where I thought they were going to kill him off. I mm. thought he was going to die in Creed, um, and yeah, I don't think it would have worked in this one. But the the fact is, if he's saying this is the last time he's playing Rocky, then if then there will be a Creed three because it's been a it's been a huge yep. hit. So there will be a Creed three, and if Stallone's not around, then either two things got to happen: one, Rocky's going to die off screen, or Donnie's life's now in L.A. and he's training with Little Duke and Rocky's back in Philadelphia and isn't involved in his life, which wouldn't ring true. No. So I guess they will have to kill him off at some point, but are you really going to kill off this character? I mean, nothing like this has ever been attempted before. I mean, he has played, I mean, you know, Mark Hamill has played Luke Skywalker over 41 years now, but not over eight Mm. films. And the, the way we've seen this character grow is astonishing to me. And the weight of his history... Not just Rocky's history, but Stallone's history is is evident in almost everything he does or says. And I think that's one of the reasons why I found the thing about his son in this movie so moving, because knowing that Sage Stallone died in real life and, and was Robert. You know, he's Robert, that's him on the fridge, that's him. You know, and he was in Rocky V and, and knowing that he, you know, and knowing that and having talked to Stephen Capel Jr. and knowing that those tears that, that came at the end of the movie when when Rocky meets Robert and, and collapses into his son's arms, that's real, and that's him thinking about his real son. That broke me. That absolutely broke me. But there's something about this character. Just everything he does or says at the moment is just guaranteed to get some sort of weird emotional response from me. I've grown up with this guy, mm. and to see uh, and if, you know, if he were to die off screen, 
I don't know. That would, that would feel like a real loss to me. Well, and I, because I, Adrian died off screen. Paulie died off screen. Paulie died off screen. I know a lot of people are angry about and that. And I, I found that really, diff- I found that really difficult to reconcile with because I was so invested in Adrian as character. What she gave Rocky, the, the openness, the vulnerability, the humanity she gave him, the fact that she made him. They spoke the same language. They had a true connection. And when she died off screen, I felt, as a fan, incredibly robbed. And, you know, it doesn't make the scenes when he goes to her grave every day and he reads the paper to her and he talks to her and then he does the same to Paulie. It doesn't make those any less resonant or emotional, but it does feel to me like I missed a really significant part of the history of these films because they didn't do it on screen. Mm. Stallone has said before that he wouldn't do any more films and he has... Yeah. kind of gone back on that. Mm. So I'm hoping it's another one of those. I understand why it feels like the perfect ending where, you know, Donnie's taken that his place in the spotlight. And I thought that was really clever, the fact that maybe because he didn't die, it wasn't, he didn't get it by default, he got it because he earned it. And it was time for Rocky to step back and say, no, I'm I'm done now. So I understand narratively and emotionally why, why it may feel like the end. But to your point, I don't know how they get to a third film without him. Yeah. But also, what part would he play in Donnie's life now? He's dispensed as much advice as he can possibly dispense. So what role would he play? They've had now that thing where they they fall out, so they can't go down that road again. It is fascinating with a a boxing movie. You have very limited options, really, as, as, as a storyteller. You know, your hero wins the fight at the end, or he loses the fight at the end. That's mm. it, and then you switch you switch it around. It's it's very it's fascinating well, with the boxing movie, from, isn't it? Apart from Rocky, because he lost, Rocky. right? But actually, yeah. he won because, as he said, all he wanted to do was to go the distance, and the fact he went the distance meant he was a winner in his eyes and in Adrian's eyes. I mean, Rocky as a whole universe has played brilliantly with with what you're saying, which is mm. what winning means, what losing means, what that actually signifies to a boxer, and, and it isn't always on the points. Yeah. That was the amazing thing about how he ended Rocky. It was really bold at the time to end it on him losing, but actually you yeah, didn't yeah, feel yeah. like he'd lost. Yeah. And that amazing opening of Rocky 2 with the ambulances screaming down the street and Apollo Creed's like there ain't going to be no rematch and then they he immediately obviously when they're both bandaged like the mummy they agree they are definitely going to do it again but what an incredible <laughs> like they, the incredible opening but I think it's done yeah. more than any in terms of really looking at, at what's beneath those sportsmen what success means and what winning means and what failure and what rejection and how it's so much more than just a, a match or a game or a fight or anything like that, how it's woven into their masculinity is yeah. kind of remarkable. When you look at it as a study of one man's journey through masculinity, Absolutely. it's really compelling. And who among us can say they didn't do that? <laughs> <laughs> but having said, you know, having said what I just said, you've, you're absolutely right, Rocky has, has played this tune. It's got every note you can get out of this tune, can't you? So Rocky uh-huh. loses the first, the first movie. Uh, they both get knocked out in the second yes. movie. You know, there's defeats. Technically and, a draw. Technically a draw. There's defeats and, and victories in, across Rocky 3 and 4. Apollo dies in 4. They have a fight in the street in 5. He's really old in 6. His grudge match part 1. <laughs> and then Creed. You know, Donnie loses the yeah. end of Creed. Yeah. And so it's interesting that they start off this movie with him winning this. And then he gets his ass handed to him in a way that he hasn't done before. Uh, which leads to the final fight. And this is the final question, I think, before we get onto the listeners' questions. Uh, what do we make of the final fight and and both Dragos in this film? Big Nasty. Big Nasty. Florian Big He's Nasty. He's a monster, isn't he? He really is. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's... 
the, the differential between those two characters, when you see them in the ring together the first time, is quite extraordinary. Like, there's heavyweight and there's whatever the fuck he is. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Heaviest weight. Yeah, that's, that's monstrous. Uh, but I suppose, and this is in the final fight, and this, this, I think you cleared up for me. I, not being a boxing fan, was quite confused by the switch of momentum where you went from Victor being basically bulletproof so he doesn't even bruise or notice when he's hit and when he hits things, <laughs> it breaks in half to literally can't do anything and then falls down. You know, and I was like, what just happened? Did someone just put kryptonite into his gloves or something? It felt like this is the part in the movie where they find out the supervillain's special weakness and like, introduce it. But as you pointed out, his weakness is stamina. Yeah, that's it. The big guys. Mostly the big guys. Yeah, because there is a line, isn't there, that he's never yeah. gone past four rounds in he's a fight. Never, yeah, he's never and gone so as it goes on, he gets fatigued, presumably, yeah. which is what it is. Absolutely. Uh, but I did need that explaining to me. Uh, Donnie in this film, yeah, he... Um, he he's up against it, but he gets his ribs broken again, doesn't he? In the big, mm. in the mm. in the final fight. Uh, so yeah, uh, Victor should be able to take him out, but but can't can't and muster the energy. Rocky does him. say to him after the first fight, "Your natural gifts were never going to work against this guy." And I was like, I would like ex- that explained, like meaning what? I don't understand the change in strategy between but fight it, one and but fight it's two. The same happened in Rocky Three. He had to learn how to fight differently because he was up against Clubber Langs, who's a street brawler. And all of the things that he'd relied upon up until that point just aren't enough at certain with certain opponents. But you know, with Ivan Drago in Rocky Four, he's like eighty-four times the size of him, or something like <laughs> roughly. And he, there's an amazing moment where he basically pivots the fight. He jumps up, hits him on the eye, and cuts his eye. And it's the moment where he goes, "He bleeds. He's just a man." And I mean, I think he literally had to jump up in the air like Scrappy Doo. They brought out like, a box for him to stand on. And there were moments in four, particularly, which really stretched believability in terms of their physical match. But I, I loved some of the echoes in the in the boxing scenes specifically. There was, you know, the break him, I will break you. But then there was an amazing shot, which was a replica of a shot in four, where a bead of sweat drops from Victor's eyebrow, and there's the exact same shot in Rocky Four where it drops off Ivan Drago's eyebrow, yes. and it was it was framed exactly the same way, and I loved it. That like gave me a massive buzz. I think their relationship was more compelling than I imagined it would yeah. be, and their dynamic and and kind of that shared shame and resentment um, from being abandoned by Bridget. Nelson. I wanted more of that. Yeah, but I do think she was also a little bit, you know, she never really moved past the cold Russian bitch kind of <laughs> no. uh, trope. Is that a trope? Cold Russian bitch? I don't know. It is now. It is now, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think their dynamic was interesting. As you say, you could have had more of it, but I think what did he have? 11 lines in Rocky Four, so I think this was definitely a step definitely up. an upgrade. Yeah. But I, I found their relationship fascinating because you thought originally it was going to be that very stereotypical, like he's like this abusive father just forcing his son to kind of realise the dream he never could. But it's like he's clearly emotionally stunted, but there's a real affection there for his son. And he's clearly deeply wounded, not just by his professional failures, but by the end of his marriage and the fact that his wife left him. You know, that he's Drago comes across in this, both Dragos, as actually quite human monsters. And I really, really like that. And I wanted a little bit more of that. And I love the bit at the end where mm. you see them. I thought, it, I, thought it was, uh, I thought that was a lovely touch. In fact, uh, the first listener question, at Cantona's Ghost asks, do you think the story could have been totally from the side of the Dragos? Uh, and would you indeed go to see if they took a break and didn't make Creed 3 right away, but made Drago? Would you, uh, no. would you be up for that? How about Lang? Ooh, now we're talking. <laughs> now we're talking. I it see may, where it Tommy may Gunn have is. to have some uh, changes made to it, bearing in mind uh, 
some of these slightly questionable narrative choices with that film. A uh, few uh, stereotypes that I don't think This is code for like. Rocky Three is massively racist. Yes. <laughs> That's it. I was trying to find a way to say it that wasn't saying my... Rocky Three is massively racist, but yes, it is. <laughs> Luckily, Rocky Four cleared that right up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They don't believe in uh, cultural stereotypes. Nope. They certainly do not. Uh, so, no, okay, you don't, you don't agree with that. Uh, can I just say, in the final fight contains my favourite shot in the film where uh, Donnie is on the canvas and he punches himself up. Literally punches himself. Like, he starts punching yeah. the canvas yeah. to get himself worked up and physically bound up as well. That's a great shot. Well done, everybody. At Shogun Skilling, would you like to see Rocky and Drago settle their differences and share a scene after the second fight? There was a scene after the second fight, but they got a cut. But would you have liked to have seen it? No, because I don't think it was about them no. at that point. I think it was about their relationship with their sons the and the men yeah, who exactly. were coming up behind them. I think exactly. they'd settled everything they needed to settle. And actually, Drago's resentment wasn't towards Rocky, ultimately. It was towards a country that abandoned him, yeah. a woman who abandoned him, and the rift that caused with his son. And I love the fact that he throws in the towel, that actually his son's welfare means far more to him than any of this shit. And I thought that was a lovely... Oh, well, moment. especially as... But, you know, yeah. Rocky didn't throw well, exactly, the towel and exactly. that <laughs> just felt like, just stab me in the so heart, why don't so you? So what you're saying is it wasn't a lovely moment, it was just Drago being massively passive-aggressive. Yes. <laughs> See what happens when you throw in the towel, Rocky? <laughs> All right. At Coley Ja asks, why are Russian boxing fans so fickle in both Rocky Four and Creed 2 they change their allegiance completely within 30 minutes? <laughs> because movies. <laughs> because movies, all right. Uh, Mark Fawcett, MJ Fawcett asks, your favourite cameo, Bridget Nielsen or Milo Fentimiglia? I'll be honest, the Bridget Nielsen thing floored me. Yeah, me too. Because, because yeah. of their off-screen Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> scenes, no scenes with Stallone. I suppose, no. not surprisingly, but still, I was uh, keen. I, there was gasps in my screening when... I, I said, what the fuck out loud did, in my uh, screening? Did the cable guy uh, address this? The cable guy. <laughs> <laughs> cable guy! <laughs> yes, he did. He did. Uh, he said that... that Sly dropped her line and then there it was. Well, yeah. yeah. So, you know, whether there's been a rapprochement, I do not know. But fun. Is that French for sex? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I believe it is. Oh, that's a rendezvous. <laughs> At Phil LeBear asks, am I reading way too much in the disqualification scene? Politically, a black athlete takes a knee and whilst doing so, Russia attacks. A tenuous link to Trump's America. I think maybe you're reading too much into that. I think they downplayed all that stuff. There were so many opportunities when they could have made much more overt statements about uh, um, Russian culture and American culture. And I think they avoided pretty much all of them. No films made in the bubble. And there's a pretty big bubble around this film right (laughs) now. Yeah. So to not go there, I've just had a horrible thought. Oh God, Rocky would be a Trump voter, wouldn't he? He would... He'd vote for Trump. Yeah. Oh, yes. no. He's got it written all over him. He can barely work a remote control, for God's sake. He's got no job. He lives in a depressed area. He'd definitely be a Trump supporter. Oh, oh poor Rock. Uh, at Liam OB, Liam O'Brien asks, uh, what do you think the third film should focus on? I'd suggest exploring Donnie's relationship with Apollo's other children. It would be good to see more bank, his family background, if only to get more Tessa Thompson in the movie. Or they could just have Clubber Lang's was, kid kill Rocky. Say, does Clubber Lang have a son? Because that could be the way to go. Shooter Lang, who turns up <laughs> and just shoots Rocky in the first five minutes of the franchise. 
Um, what do we? What, do we, what else do we think? Do we think that's a good idea? More? Because yeah, no, Apollo does have other kids. I don't. I honestly don't care. Here's here's the challenge, right? Is I feel like the as you said, the relationship between Rocky and Adonis. I feel like it's been kind of wrung dry. His issues with his father have been raked over twice in quite kind of intense detail. So I don't know where's left to go because for me there has to be a narrative link back to the Rocky franchise creed. There has to be a part, the legacy has to play a part in this. So what you're saying is they're going to fridge Bianca off screen. <laughs> oh my God. Does that it's mean, happen. does fridge mean barrier? Well, kind of, it just, it just means killing the, the female to make the male feel something as I mean, a narrative classic, device. Classic. Yes, exactly um, that. Uh, so I don't know because I think uh, introducing more characters that I don't really care about at this point uh, doesn't excite me. I feel like you need that link. You need, okay, you need Stallone. You need Rocky. You, you need something. Is, is Little Duke enough? No. I, I love the fact there was more Little Duke in this movie because I don't think people realised in the in the first movie, in, in Creed 1, that uh, Wood Harris was playing Tony... Well, his character's mm. literally called Tony Burton, but it's Tony Little Duke Burton, but I don't think they realised he was Duke's son. No. Nope. Thanks, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, don't really know what you want me to add, but... Uh... No, no, but uh, you, do you think there should be more Little Duke? I do, basically? but what I'm saying is I don't think he... I don't think those characters alone are enough to hold the movie. Mm. Uh, did we answer the question about the favourite cameo thing? Uh, it was definitely Bridget Nielsen, definitely Bridget Nielsen <laughs> and not Milo Ventimiglia because we all saw that one coming a mile away. I didn't, but I was hoping that it would happen. And I was hoping that it would get Milo on his day off from, from This Is Us. And, mm. uh, and again, this won't shock you, it broke me. <laughs> it absolutely <laughs> broke me. That sort of cross-cutting between the, the three different sons in some way reconciling their, their, their problems with their dads. Yeah. So, you know, Donnie talking to his dead dad, Rocky turning up at Robert's house, just unannounced, which is really rude. What if he was well, out? And also, didn't it just strike you a little bit as bollocks? Because <laughs> th- I, he walked in, and bearing in mind, in in previous films, they've had such a difficult relationship. Like, he's been, Robert's been really cold to him and rejected him mm-hmm. quite a lot. You know, those scenes where he'd um, say he was going to turn up to Adrian's for dinner and not come, and Rocky would turn up at his place of work, and it was like kind of stalking his own son and you felt the cold between them you felt the freeze and I just never really believed it would have thought to the extent where after years of, of kind of you know presumably not being in contact and you know not meeting his own grandchild he turns up on the doorstep and goes hey uh, he's never spoken like that no, but, he really but, hasn't. And, hey. then, and then they embrace and then it's all great and and I understand it needed to be quite simple and fast at that point because the film was ending. But also I was a little bit... Their relationship was so complex and so complicated that that felt so rushed and um, untrue that it didn't quite connect with me for those reasons. I, I think they do need to do a bit of emotional shorthand for that. And obviously what, what comes after the conversation those two guys are going to have is is fascinating. But if we believe what... Rocky Balboa from Rocky Balboa to this they haven't seen each other for what 10 years mm. so I think if you know if Rocky comes to Robert's doorstep and he looks genuinely conciliatory mood then I think that would have softened Robert but he already had he always had done for years and Rocky yeah. had, and he'd always been rejected and I Robert's just think the one who does the rejection Ro- yeah, Robert yeah. He, he always held the power in but that relationship as he got older but he's exactly but wouldn't now. you be livid about that I haven't seen my dad for 10 years he doesn't even bother sending a Christmas card through his choice and Robert's then, choice not to bring the kids to, to Rock it's but also, I'm presuming Rocky didn't turn up on his doorstep before. Like, and and then Pride suddenly he turns thing, up amen. and goes, "Aya," 
And then he's just, you're meant to believe that all is forgotten. I don't, but I think there would have been, and I understand emotional shorthand. I also understand the film is finishing in four minutes and we've got a little bit of thematic wrapping up to do. Come on, guys. But I, I don't know. I'd have, I think too, um, I understood the point of leaving that just as a kind of isolated thing at the end, but I would have preferred it to begin earlier and there to be a little bit of building to that. So then that lands at a better emotional punch. It reminded me a bit of Bruce Willis being persuaded to call Bonnie Bedelia all the way through Die Hard with a Vengeance and then finally he does it right at the very, very end. No, I, I thought it was great. I think it, it really summed up Rocky. Rocky, you know, Rocky does have flaws. He's not a saint and pride is one of his uh, terrible flaws in a way and this whole movie is about him eventually getting over himself enough to go and, and reconcile with his son. Very, very last question and it comes from at Tom G. Stew. How does the desert training montage rank in terms of top Rocky montages? So, I was quite disappointed by this. So, I thought that the... And I was comparing it specifically to the montage in Creed, which, you know, the quad bikes on the street of Billy, it was really gritty, reminded me of of the original Rocky film. Um, And for me, it felt like modern-day America. It really felt really exciting, really relevant. Um, That was one of the things for me that made Creed feel cool and now... It was Philadelphia, but a different Philadelphia from a different vantage point. Yes, yes. And he's, it was authentic because you'd got the same streets, but a very different life. Yeah. And that's because it was from Adonis's, not from, from Rockies. Now, Creed 2, why are they in the desert? <laughs> Number one, where's the narrative relevance? And it looked pretty... It looked, I mean, from a, cine, from a cinematography perspective, I was like, this is fit. But from a storytelling perspective... And every single Rocky montage, you mentioned Rocky Four, as you rightly said, that is one big montage. And every single montage lacks an, um, packs an emotional punch. It like floors you. Even if you've just watched one, 1.3 seconds before, it still does that. I didn't feel moved and inspired and like I wanted to run up a hill um, or in particularly invested in this montage. And I didn't understand the point of the desert. And so it's a storytelling piece, it just didn't work. I think just a visual counterpoint to Russia. I'm guessing that's what they were going for, but... Get the fuck in the snow. <laughs> Get in the snow, Donny. Get honestly. in the snow. Uh, all right. You're I out think... of your element, Donny. <laughs> <laughs> What's that from? Big Lebowski. Oh, there we go. Shut the fuck up, Donny. <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. On that bombshell, that is it for our Creed 2 spoiler special. Uh, keep an eye out over the next few weeks for more spoiler specials coming your way, including Aquaman, Bumblebee, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse, followed by Collapsing. And the regular podcast is out every Friday, so listen now for that as well. In the meantime, thank you so much for my colleagues, James Dyer. Bye. Bye. Bye, James. Bye. Bye. And uh, I don't think I persuaded her to like this film, Terry White. I do like this film. I do like this film. I just don't think it reached Funny way of showing my lofty expectations. <laughs> you need to lower your expectations. It is not as good as Creed. I will agree with that, but I still love this film. This film took one look at me and said, I must break you, and it did. It's better than Assassin's Creed. Ah, <laughs> oh, There's no outro you can't jump on, is there? <laughs> <laughs> there really is. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Bye.